Awesome. <clears throat> good morning. So good to be with you guys. We had a phenomenal uh, weekend together. Who was with us? Come on. If you weren't here, I want you to feel bad about it. Let it sting a little bit. And thank God for archives. You can go onto the website and see all the archives of the weekend. It was phenomenal. And uh, the Lord did meet us. And so uh, I'd encourage you to do that. It's such an honor to be with you. I, I think this is about fourth year or so. Come in January. And I'm just so blessed by the team. And I love your church. And it's such an honor to be with you. Brought my beautiful daughter with me right here. I have uh, Go ahead and wave Maya right here. There she is. Yeah. <laughs> My, my life's ambition is to find as many ways to embarrass her as I can. So I'm always looking for those opportunities. And so I uh, used to drop her off at school. I'd just be screaming the whole way while she's walking into the thing. Dad loves you. Make sure you check out your lunch. I put a card in it for you. They love that stuff. You do that for your kids. Then you get out and you go give them a hug in front of everybody. And you just hold them. Say, let me hold you 10 more seconds. <laughs> they love that. They love the kisses right all over the cheeks and the forehead and the, all that stuff. They love all the selfies you take with them and all the other stuff. All right, good. Well, it's such an honor to be with you guys. And I just want to jump in. We don't have that long a time, but I care deeply. I've been in Kansas City for 18 years, recently moved to Dallas a week ago, and my life's passion and aim is to be a man of prayer and to awaken prayer in the body of Christ. I care that if we get connected to the life source, I believe that everything else will flow in our lives. And yet I believe that the greatest seduction and deception and difficulty in the Christian life is staying abiding in the vine. It's staying connected to Jesus in a fervent, uh, uh, fiery way that brings life and fulfills everything else. And so I believe that the devil will let us do a lot of things in the kingdom. Yes, in the kingdom. But if you want to put hell on notice, begin to prioritize time at his feet. Prioritize time at his feet where you're not doing all the talking. But that you actually have your Bible open and you turn the Bible into dialogue with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that if you build that place, he will release his dreams through you. Every time I get around this man, I don't even know. Are you, are you a pastor here? All right, director, you got so much. Every time I'm hearing him pray in the spirit, I just see blueprints and things that God. I believe that as we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You can actually put God to work for you. Do you know that? Isaiah 64. I am the God who acts on behalf of those who wait for me. And God told me that one time. I was so busy. And he goes, Corey, when are you going to stop and put me to work for you? <laughs> Do you know Jesus is a servant? Every time you say, God, I need you, you're asking him, come and serve me. And that's the nature of the kingdom. Is that we invite the servanthood of Jesus. But I believe there's so much stuff coming out of you. So you need to pray in the Holy Spirit a lot in this season. I feel like there's downloads that he's releasing through you. 
It's good stuff because I feel like there's blueprints and strategies and plans coming out of you that bypasses your mind and even your own abilities. And God's going to rearrange things and put them in a divine alignment for you. So you keep praying in the spirit. All right. Good. Revelation 22, 17. I'm just going to speak it, but because I, I believe it's a picture of where we're going. One of the last few verses of your Bible says a phrase, the spirit and the bride say, come. Everybody say the spirit and the bride say, come. One of the last verses of your Bible gives us a picture of what we will look like before Jesus returns. There is coming a day to where the Holy Spirit and the church is going to be in profound unity with one another. There is coming a day to where the church will begin to see Jesus as our bridegroom and us as his bride. And that there is going to be a primary anointing on the end time church and it will be the spirit of prayer. And I believe that one of the clearest pictures that we can begin to look at in the Gospels. I want you to go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 10. I want to just walk through quickly. I believe that we're moving into the most glorious hour of human history. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit resulting with the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is an hour for the church to come out of slumber, apathy, busyness and religiosity and connect with Jesus. Two, two amens. I appreciate that. Got seats right up here for you. People ask me all the time, who is your favorite? Who's your hero in the Bible outside of Jesus? Of course, many of us would say maybe Moses or Daniel or, or Elijah or Ezekiel or Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Peter. Paul, we all have our list, David, but for me, if, if someone's going to say who has impacted your life the most and all of us, all of them have in different seasons, but I would say the one that I always recalibrate my life to is the life of Mary of Bethany, Mary of Bethany. We only see her three times in the word of God. Every time she is at Jesus's feet and every time Jesus defends her. We, she didn't have a big healing ministry, a big apostolic ministry. We'll never hear about her in the word of God again. Yet every time that we see her, it seems she just got it. She just understood what Jesus was looking for. And she locked in to give him what she was looking for, what he was looking for. And I believe that we're going to see three snapshots in the life of Mary of Bethany that I believe is important because as I, I, I'm grateful for new years, aren't you? Two of you are. Yeah, me too. I'm grateful for new days. You know, you get excited. Thank God yesterday's over. New mercies. I had, my wife had one of those nights. It always falls when I'm traveling. A couple of our kids has had a couple of rough days. We're in transition, lots of moves and she was just done. And she goes, thank God. It's a new day. Thank God for new days. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I'm grateful for new days. I'm grateful for new weeks. Grateful for new months. And I'm grateful for new years. But I also take, I love to take the first month of a new year to get a new notebook. I'll get a new one of these. And I will begin to slowly reflect on did I do what I signed up to do 
at the beginning of January 2018. And I will begin to do self-reflection. I'll begin to ask the Lord the questions. Get gut level honest with me, Jesus. How did I, how do I sense that did I prioritize the things that matter the most? And for me, it's the first commandment would be first place. That I would prioritize intimacy with Jesus and time with Jesus above every relationship. That I would prioritize looking in his face before I would ever look in anyone else's face. And that the face I encounter in him, I would reflect to my wife, my children, and those that are around me. And I'm grateful for Jesus because he grades on the most glorious grading curve you've ever seen. It's called the blood of Jesus. But at the same time, I believe that we can get a hold of some things because I believe that if there's deadly sins in the body of Christ. The ones that we don't talk about. And I believe that the, one of the greatest ones is the uh, neglect of uh, setting at his feet. Let's look at this story in Luke 10, verse 38. I want to look at it and then I would, I'll look into this more. Luke 10, 38. Now it happened as they... That he, as they went, that, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And here it is. And she had a sister called Mary. Who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. With much serving. And she approached him and she said, Lord, do you not care? That my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her to get off her lazy behind and help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Whoo! Jesus comes into the house. Disciples, there's demands, there's needs. And Mary does something completely. Go back to verse 39. She comes into the room. And what would have made sense is for her to be busy trying to meet natural needs she does something completely revolutionary. She goes, I refuse to miss this window of opportunity. The Son of God is in my house. There are needs that are needed, but I refuse to let this moment pass. I'm going to take my seat at His feet. And I'm going to hear every word coming out of His mouth. Beloved, I want you to know right now, there is a window, there's a moment in every day from which the rest of your day should flow out of. And it's, can we come out and swim upstream and begin to declare war on the God of distraction, the God of busyness, the God of anxiety, the God of the tyranny of the urgent and all the needs, and can we prioritize sitting at his feet. And listening. I'm convinced the devil will let you do a lot. In the kingdom. But if you want to stir hell and the gates of hell. Begin to prioritize verse 39. 
Distraction runs rampant in the church. Busyness runs rampant in our lives. We're all busy and we have been fed a huge lie. And it's this, the busier you are, the more impactful you are. And I want to tell you something right now. That is a lie. Mary says, I want to connect to what he's saying. And I want to live the rest of my life. A lot of people will try to pit Martha versus Mary. Do you know what the issue is here? And it exposes that Martha has the wrong spirit. Do you know what the wrong spirit is? Is that when you don't do the first thing or you don't do the one thing first. When you start meeting the needs and doing the things of life, you live with the wrong spirit because you're always aware of what other people aren't doing. That's why Martha has a wrong spirit is she didn't get her reward from Jesus. Therefore, she began to compare. She began to say, I'm doing more than them. I'm giving more than them. I'm serving more for them. I'm doing a lot more than everybody. I'm doing more than my spouse is in my house. I'm doing more than my kids are. Because what happens when you sit at his feet and hear his word? His word becomes your reward. His word becomes your reward. And it becomes the plumb line. And you begin to serve in the right spirit. And if you don't, you get into comparison. And number two... You will begin to accuse Jesus for his lack of empathy with you. Jesus, don't you care? I've given you so much and you've given so little. It's unfair. I want to tell you when the first thing, when the one thing isn't the first thing, you will always see your gift and what you're doing for Jesus always bigger than what Jesus has done for you. I know I'm speaking. Because this spirit is rampant in the church. When you get the first thing, the first thing, you get delivered from yourself. One thing is needed. One thing is needed. The Lord told me years ago, Corey, if you do the one thing, you get everything. But if you do everything, you get nothing. I want to tell you something right now. It is great pride and great self-sufficiency, independence, and arrogance to think you can walk the Christian life out outside of an ongoing, vibrant relationship with Jesus. That is called pride in the highest. It is called arrogance in the highest to think that which began in the spirit, you can fulfill in the flesh. You need him. More than you know you need him. There's got to be a time and there's got to be a place. And if you don't prioritize it, I promise you, your schedule will prioritize it for you and it will lose. For me, I have settled it. I've got to go to bed by 10 and wake up at 5 so I can look him in the face. I don't feel him a lot of the times. It's not like I'm floating. If I prayed when I felt like doing it, I would do it once a month. Because a lot of us think that we're floating around and we're in these ecstatic encounters. Yes, he meets me sometime along the way. 
but I show up and I'm dragging my behind to that place with my cup of coffee and my whispers. My brain's half asleep and I find I pray the best when Corey's half asleep. Because once Corey gets going, Corey gets in trouble. Because I get to thinking about how I'm going to change the world. And Lord just says, can you just bring your half asleep behind, sit here before me, and whisper phrases of the Bible back to me, and watch me move in your life, and impart life and grace to you. There is much distraction. If I were to stand up before you today, and say, I've committed adultery, you would say, brother, you need to sit down. You need to sit down for ministry. You need to take a break. But how many of us, if we were to stand up saying, it's been a month since I've been alone with Jesus, we'd say, well, there's mercy and grace for you, brother. There's mercy and grace for you. You just keep on plowing, okay? It's okay. We all struggle from time to time. It shows that we have those degrees of sins. I would say that the other sins are the result of the main sin. And the greatest sin is that you've made the one thing the tenth thing. And that if the one thing is not the one thing, the other things in your life will begin to become a heavy burden and will begin to crush your spirit. Then you want a new wife and a new husband and new kids and a new life. Jesus. One thing. Are you on fire? When's the last time the word of God jumped off a page and lodged in your soul and took a hold of you and it began to burn in you? And you knew God, the Holy Spirit, was speaking to you in the Bible. And you heard His Word, and He burned, and He cried, and the Spirit of prayer came out of you. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen. I love that. She had a choice. you got a choice in this. She's chosen the good part. And it will never be taken away from her. Which means this, it lives forever. It's an eternal investment. Every second and every minute lives forever in places where rust and moth cannot destroy. I have said to let God, may the size of my heart always be larger than the size of my influence. And God, whenever I start preaching more from the Bible than crying when I read it, set me down. Jesus. Hallelujah. Mary has chosen the good part. You can't control your spheres. And I want you to know right now, God doesn't evaluate Billy Graham different than Bobby Sue, who's got one kid. Do you know when we stand before Jesus, he's not going to ask how many people and how big was your, your platform. He's going, did you cultivate the size of your heart? Did you choose the good part? You know what that means? 99.9, you know, 99.6% of the body of Christ, hardly anybody knows their names. Which means this, he doesn't evaluate that way. And what he evaluates on is, did you learn to love? And did you, did you prioritize intimacy with me? Good. It's feeling that spirit of conviction coming here. Come on, Jesus. Because you're going to blink and January 13th, 2020 will be here.
And either you did it or you didn't. Either you showed up or you didn't. Either you showed up or you said to yourself, other things are more important and I'm more useful connecting with people than I am talking with Jesus. I'm more useful being everybody's savior than talking to the savior. Well, the word that you receive will be tested. I preached on this last night in John 11. What happens when you sit long enough to press through distraction, press through busyness and press through worry. And what I love about Mary, she never says a word in this verse. Jesus defends her. You know, the thing about this, when you prioritize the first thing, Jesus will fight your battles. Jesus will fight your battles. Mary was surrounded by Martha, giving her the eye. You're always in a wrong spirit when you're aware of what, how other people aren't working as hard as you. Oh. Mary sits there, doesn't say a word. And Jesus fights her battles. She sat there long enough and his word went to her deep. But I want you to understand that the words you receive will be tested. There will come moments and testing of learning how to wait before God. But something is learned in that place. And it's called waiting on God. Waiting on God. Because fast forward to the death of Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus. This is what I preached on last night. And Jesus shows up four days late. Have you ever felt like Jesus showed up four days late when you needed him four days ago? And it's almost like he's operating on a different timetable than you. And the thing that meant the most to you seemingly died. And you walk through pain. You walk through disillusionment. You walk through Jesus, where are you? Jesus, you could have done this, but you didn't. And what do you do in that place when the word you've received is tested. It says that in Psalm 105. That the word of the Lord tested Joseph. And that word tested Mary. In the death of her brother Lazarus. And Jesus shows up. And Mary doesn't have all the right prayers. She doesn't have all the right language. With a broken spirit. Living in the tension. She said Lord. If you'd have been here my brother wouldn't have died. And then it says in John 11. That when Jesus saw her weeping. The Bible says he groaned in the spirit. And he says, where have you laid him? See, I believe it's Mary's that get resurrections. I believe she sat at his feet long enough for his word to go to her deep. That in the hour of crisis, her deep called out to his deep. And she pulled a resurrection out of him. Good. That's good. You know what John 11 says at the beginning? It says it was that Mary who anointed Jesus with that fragrant oil. Turn with me to Mark 14, these last few minutes. Hallelujah. That's what God's been saying to IHOP. We're doing a reset. We've shut down our big annual conference after this year. And you know what we're going to get back to? Luke 10. But you're the praying people. You do that all the time. I want you to know. One of the greatest temptations is that your reputation exceeds your reality. 
that's something I want to be afraid of. That you think I'm more awesome than I actually am. Mark 14, verse something. Verse 3. And being in Bethany, and what I love about this, Jesus goes out here to Bethany because Jerusalem is chaotic. This is Passion Week. It's chaotic in Jerusalem. He's denouncing the Pharisees, saying, all of y'all are jacked up. And I got to get out of this mess. It's so hostile here. And so he walks out to Bethany. Because he's, I believe with all my heart, he was receiving, he needed to get out of the mess to get rest for his soul. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, John 12 tells us Lazarus is there. Who would like to be hanging out with a dude who used to be a leper and a guy that had been dead for four days? As he sat at the table, a woman came. We know this is Mary from John 12. A woman came. I love that. A woman, which means she's already breaking social protocol. A woman came breaking down walls. I want you to see her come. When you get the one thing, the one thing, it breaks off fear off of you. When you've walked up to the point of death and seen Jesus release resurrection power on the inside of you. And through you and around you, there produces a fearlessness. She came. She knew she would be welcomed in the presence of Jesus. And she came what she come with. An alabaster flask of very costly oil. I've heard it said that was the equivalent of $30,000. A year's wages. That which was her parents' inheritance to her. Everything that spoke security and stability of her future was wrapped up in that bottle. And what would she do with it? She broke her 401k. She broke her pension. And she took it and she began to lavish it all over Jesus. And began to pour it on his head and anoint him with this oil. She does it. That's what it produces in you. And I want every one of you to know, you all have an alabaster flask of very costly oil. She takes it. She breaks it. And then all the disciples begin to get indignant. They get angry and they begin to look at what she did. And they said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? They look at what she did as waste. It was foolish. It was you could have done something better with your time, something better with your money, something better with that. You could have invested it and made it count or you could have given it to the poor. Now, actually, Judas said that, and it's because he was stealing from the money basket. And then you have to ask a deeper question. Who is Jesus to put the thief ahead of the treasury? Because <laughs> he's saying, I'm giving you every chance to do this right, buddy. I'll give you every chance to do this right. And they look at that as waste. I want to tell you something right now. If you begin to get extravagant with your time with Jesus, you begin to make crazy investments into the kingdom, into people, into ministry, into God. You will get criticized as being foolish. 
by good, well-meaning church folk who have that spirit of wisdom on them. This confronts the balanced life. This confronts the safe life. And it will be called foolish. And Jesus lets them take their best shots at her. And then he speaks and gives his evaluation of what she did. He says, let her alone, leave her alone. Number two, why do you trouble her? Peter, James, and John, you're over here jockeying for who's going to be to my right and to my left at the kingdom. All of you are politicizing, networking, trying to bolster and jockey for position. This girl doesn't care. And what is it about what she just did that's causing you to manifest? And number three, I love this. She has done a good work for me. Jesus calls what she did as work. He goes, you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. I love this. But I'm not always going to be around here. She has done what she could. All she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about this verse lately. He goes, do you want to know why she got it and that she was preparing me for my burial? It's because she believed in the God of resurrection. Because she walked through it herself. That the grave is not the end of the story. Hallelujah. And then here's my verse. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. Look at me. You have the potential to make choices that live forever. You have the potential to make choices in real time, in real space, that live forever and that you get memorials. Jesus says, guys, nobody's ever going to hear about Mary of Bethany ever again. In the book of Acts, other people will give a lot more. They will sacrifice a lot more. They will do a lot more. But you know the thing about her? She did it before it was popular. And there's something about doing it before everybody else is to where you get in on the ground floor of a stock that's about to go through the roof. She sees me when nobody does. She's preparing me when nobody can get it through their skulls. This Messiah will die. And she goes, guys... When you take the gospel to the four corners of the earth, preach the gospel, and then tell them this story. Because this is the clearest picture of what a life looks like that's been impacted by the gospel. They waste it all. 
You will end 2019. You will end your life with one simple question. What did you waste your life on? Every one of you will receive that question. Where did it go? Your time, your money, your resources, your dreams. Where did it go? And I want to say, God, by doing what I did, I sowed it radically into places where rust and moth cannot destroy. I want the stuff that lives forever. I don't want chaff that's burned up in a moment. Wouldn't you hate to have 60 years of accumulation die in six milliseconds? Wouldn't you hate that? Wouldn't that be painful to see 60 years of work die in a millisecond? I want to invest the stuff that will be to the praise, glory, and honor of God into ages to come. This isn't a joke. Because I got a 5,000 year plan. Hallelujah. Every one of us have an alabaster flask. What are you going to break it on? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think there's something good going on with the youth around here. I think he's going to start getting a hold of you youth. Laying hold of you. Do youth come to these services? Good. I like, I like some of y'all. You are awesome. I like all of you, but. <laughs> some, some, <laughs> some are shining. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I like you. Honey, honey, what's your name? Right there, what's your name? Yeah, yeah, you. With the hand right there. Yeah. Eliana, how old are you? Fifteen. Beautiful. His hand's on you, honey. His hand's on you. You just give it all to him, okay? Serious. Stay close to him. He'll rock your life. Take an Eliana and change the world. All right, let's just open up our hands. I just want to, as I start 2019, I'm like, God, I want to recalibrate to the one thing. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for Good News Church. I thank you for every person in this room, those that are viewing. And I, I just pray. God, I ask you to speak to us right now, God. We want to come out of the swirl of busyness, distraction, anxiety. And I got on 2019. I want to prioritize time at your feet. I want to make a real time and a real place that I show up to when I feel you and when I don't. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just wait on the Lord. Some of you, it's, it's people. It's the Marthas that have talked you out of it.